Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. Story is the monthly theme for May, and the beginning of May is indeed a storied time. In the Northern Hemisphere, the beginning of May has traditionally been considered the beginning of the summer season. The anonymous medieval poem, Western Wind, summarizes something of this time of year. West strong wind, when will thou blow, and small rain down can rain? Christ, if my love were in me arms, and I in me bed again. Or, as Shakespeare put it, rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease hath all too short a date. So many stories of this time of year. The ancient Northern European celebration called Beltane occurs in the beginning of May. The Christian invaders attempted to suppress that holiday, and by the mid-20th century, most practices had disappeared. But in the late 20th century, neo-pagans, Wiccans, and religious naturalists have revived the celebration of Beltane as a religious holiday. It's back. As they moved into northern Europe, Christians cut down sacred trees and burned the maypoles. But maypoles never really went away in northern Europe. And many of you may remember that Bob and Weave school children were once required to learn in order to perform the maypole dance for our parents this time of year. May 1st is International Workers' Day, though Americans celebrate Labor Day in the autumn. Various theories exist as to why this is the case, one being that U.S. government officials did not want American labor to develop a sense of solidarity with laborers in other parts of the world. An international group of workers called the Second Internationale chose May 1st as International Workers' Day back in 1889. Uh, to commemorate the 1886 event, usually called the Haymarket Affair or the Haymarket Riot or the Haymarket Massacre in Chicago. On May 4th, 1886, workers gathered in Haymarket Square to advocate for an eight-hour working day, and they were attacked by police after a bomb was thrown. No one knows who actually threw the bomb, but eight protesters were sentenced to death. Like many union advocates, uh, I make the pilgrimage to Haymarket Square when I'm in Chicago on May 1st. Now, why did May 1st have such resonance with European workers? Well, because the 1st of May was the traditional time for peasant farmers to contract with the landowners for the year, negotiating the terms of their labor for that year. Poor farmers negotiated for the best deal they could get, and some years they even had bargaining power. Also this time of year, many native groups moved from winter to summer lodgings in this hemisphere. May 1st was also the traditional day to turn livestock out into summer pastures because the new babies had been born and the herd was ready for the easy living days of summer. A poem in Middle English sums that one up. 
Sumarisa Komenin, Lutsin Kukuu, Groweth sad and bloweth mad and springeth, They woody new, sing Kukuu, Aweth, Bleeteth after lom, and looeth after kalbiku, bulek starteth, buke worteth, muri sing kuku, 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 well singest thou kuku, nice quick thou never knew, sing kuku. We'll have a better version of that at the end of our assembly today. As the writer of that tune well knew, there's nothing quite like watching newborn calves cavorting in the fresh grass of a new pasture. May is and has long been about release and freedom and hope. And for many of us, after many months of pandemic-inspired shutdown, now is beginning to be a time of expectation. Will life get back to some sense of normalcy? When will life get back to some sense of normalcy? And the larger question, of course, will there ever be a normal again, or can we achieve achieve some sort of new normal after this? Might a new normal also afford all of our fellow citizens full citizenship at last? That's a good question. Early May is a storied time, but behind many of those stories is a message, and we don't want to bury that lead. The message is the time is short. It's time to get to work because rough winds do shake the darling buds of May and summer's leaves hath all too short a date. As I reflected this past week on the work that needs to be done, I was reminded of the words of the Russian novelist and political activist Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Uh, In a speech one time, he said this, Today's world has reached a stage which, if it had been described in preceding centuries, would have called forth a cry, this is the apocalypse. Yet we have grown used to this kind of world. We even feel at home in it. And I think he's right about that. Apocalypse nowadays has all sorts of connotations. The biblical visions of four horsemen of the apocalypse or nowadays the Hollywood-inspired visions of zombie invasions. But in the original Greek, the meaning uh, in the Christian scriptures originally was that uh, uncovered. Apocalypse meant uncovered or revealed or laid bare. And hasn't the dirty laundry of American society recently been revealed, laid bare, at least for the privileged among us? And many have cried, this is the apocalypse. Yet we have grown used to this kind of world. We even feel at home in it. Solzhenitsyn gets at that one degree at a time warming that eventually kills that proverbial metaphorical frog in a pot of water. Our lives are so short. We come into a particular sort of world. We learn to live in it as best we can. Then we learn that there are other worlds and other people living very different lives under very different circumstances. Then we learn that our own way of life operates to do damage to the lives of others, people, animals, plants, and the planet. Then we must decide what to do with that sort of information. Do we resist our slow-rolling apocalypse? Here in the U.S., we've uh, had some serious damage to look at. 
For Earth Day, our climate justice team sponsored a watch party for the documentary film called The Story of Plastic. Uh, recently, we're learning that we've been lied to concerning recycling of plastic. The truth is that almost no plastic is ever recycled. It's a lie perpetrated by the plastics industry, which in fact is a cover for the petroleum industry. During our online assembly for Earth Day, we heard from Dr. Sam Grant of Men350.org about the apartheid of climate justice, oppressed people suffering the effects of everything from climate change to the effects of garbage incinerators. We learned from State Representative Frank Ornstein that lobbyists pushed through a bill declaring garbage incinerators a green technology. Mmm, money. We look around us. We read the news about mass shootings and police violence. Alexander Solzhenitsyn got to the truth of the matter, I think. This is the apocalypse. Yet we have grown used to this kind of world. We even feel at home in it. You know, when I'm feeling particularly hopeless concerning the chances of achieving a more just and humane society, as has happened quite a bit since 2016, I've learned to turn to the Cameroonian philosopher Achille Mbembe. Now, that's M-B-E-M-B-E, E-M-B-E-M-B-E, Mbembe. And I think he's one of the essential philosophers for our own time. I admire his thought because Mamembe uh, writes realistically and trenchantly, I think, about what he calls the gulf separating European moral philosophy from its practical, political, and symbolic outcomes. Um, you know, because, gee, haven't we recently seen quite a gulf between the facade of post-Enlightenment liberal morality and its outcomes, be they symbolic or uh, political or practical. Akile Mamembe faces the facts concerning the post-colonial world, Africa in particular. Yet Mamembe uh, insists that there is hope on the other side of the oppression, the violence, and the lies. He looks at what he terms the possibility of a politics of our fellow creature the possibility of a politics of our fellow creature, and the possibility of what he phrases re-walking the paths of humanity so that we may at last go beyond the violation, the erasure of our violent society toward a self-rewriting of ourselves and our society. Were we to re-walk the paths of humanity, might we now see the missed turns and the wrong paths taken? Might we find the justice promised by liberal, liberal governments long ago? Rewalking the paths of humanity and rewriting the self and our assumptions. Yes, that's the work we need to be doing. But Mamembe shows us the path forward, and that is, as he says, reworking those paths of humanity and getting it right this time. Dr. Mamembe is able to have the hope he does because he has reconceptualized his understanding of time. And, and I know that sounds abstract and a little philosophical, uh, and in one way it is, but it's also not. I would argue that the good doctor's sense of time is actually an accurate one. Uh, 
and I'll try to explain what that means. Uh, why is it so many of us feel the possibility in this merry, merry month of May? Why is that, that we feel hope? Well, Mbembe would say it's because we've already experienced May before, and we've experienced what's going to happen next, and we know what's coming, and we like that. Nowadays, Americans learn to experience time from now forward. What's going to happen next, we always think, don't we? We plan for it. We hope for it. But there's a very simple problem with imagining the future. And that is that actually the future never arrives. There's always just the next and the next and the next now, now, now. We've learned to believe in this future, which doesn't exist, because of the promises that the capitalist conception of progress sell to us. Things are going to be so much better, we're told. So much better after blank, what? Progress, the future. We experience the horror of another black man killed by police, and then the excuses come. We're making progress. Justice will be served. We will start an investigation. Future, future, future. And it never comes. What about now? Well, yes, admittedly, now is not so good. But no buts about that, Akile Mbimbe says. No buts, no excuses. This happened because something happened before that. Let's look back and see what it was that led us to now. Dr. Mbimbe has rearranged his concept of time because he's well-versed in French philosophy. He knows the work of Henri uh, Bergson. Uh, and sure, Einstein's time of arrow goes only one way, and that's always forward, right? But that isn't how we human beings actually experience time, is it? We don't know where we're going, but what we can do is look at how we got here. That is the human experience of time. Now, I know I can hear the typical American objection, but wait, uh, you're living in the past. It's all about progress, progress, progress. Well, Akile Mbembe begs to differ. To see the now clearly, he says, let's take a good long look at how we got here. Let's rewalk those paths of humanity and see where we tripped up where we turned in the wrong direction. Let's see those mistakes. Let's take responsibility for the mistake that we have made. And let's start to change the outcome right here, right now, which is actually the only time we can change now. Again, in actual point of fact, we live only here and now and in this moment. The only power that we actually hold in our grasp is what we do next. No excuses. We have to do the right thing right now. We don't get to plan. It's now. Now, where I come from, that's called looking at what you're looking at. Now, and growing up on a farm, I was expected to be a brilliant mechanic. Now, I've never been a brilliant mechanic. Inevitably, if I take apart a carburetor or a transmission or an engine, when I get it back together, there are going to be some pieces missing and left over, and I don't know where they go. And somebody was always there to tell me, why don't you look at what you're looking at? 
It's about paying attention to where you are now and the actual things that are going together right now. One of my grandfathers could take one look at a sick animal and he could tell immediately what was wrong with it. And he wanted me to be just as good as that. And he'd ask me to diagnose. And uh, generally, I would stand there and stare and I was clueless. And he would say, why don't you look at what you're looking at? Oh, that's a good thing to keep in mind. Look at what you're looking at. And that's what apocalypse is all about, actually, is uncovering the actual reality of now, seeing at last, no abstractions, no distractions, no preconceptions or interpretations. Just look at what you're looking at right now and then do something about it. Alexander Solzhenitsyn got it right as when he said, today's world has reached a stage which, if it had been described in preceding centuries, would have been called forth the cry, this is the apocalypse. Yet we've grown used to this kind of world. We even feel at home in it. Akile Mbembe faces the facts concerning post-colonial Africa, yet he insists that there is hope in the possibility of a politics of our fellow creature, a politics of our fellow creature, so that we may at last go beyond the violations, the erasures of our violent society toward a self-rewriting, a rewriting of our own selves and a rewriting of our social systems. That's the hope as this summer season begins, I think, we look back on all the good, merry, merry months of May before. This is a season of possibility. What are we going to do next? Let's look at what we're looking at. Let's see what needs to be done. And then let's get down to the work. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.